Hey, you're about to listen to Trek Off, but before you do, I wanted to let you know that there is another podcast called Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made. It's me and my buddy Arthur. We go through the Batman movies, the X-Men movies, the Avengers movies, movies like The Crow and Dr. Horrible and more. So please, while you're listening to this, hop over to wherever you subscribe to podcasts and subscribe to Totally Super. Okay, here's Trek Off. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. Welcome to Treka. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. And today, you ha- Justin you have to mock is being. Me. You have to mock my played. today. That's the, today that's the is being played by a robot, <laughs> a radio robot. It I is the top of the kids. line. My kids sometimes. I'll, I'll just, and it really bothers them. I go. It is fine. I am absolutely not a robot. I am not a robot who has taken over your father. I am completely human. Let us go get a meal. That is so fucked up, dude. You should not do that to your kids. That's some shit that goes in like a do not parenting book. (laughs) Do not emotionally scar your children by pretending to be a robot that has taken over their father. And they laugh at first. They're like, ha ha ha. Yeah, no, no. It's when you keep going. Thank you for laughing. (laughs) Your response has made me happy. Ha 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 ha. Is that okay? Now, you can stop. You, you can, can stop, stop, you can stop now. now. You're kind of stop what? Well, there is nothing for me to stop. I am a normal human person. <laughs> just like I just keep going. Dude, that is so wrong. <laughs> just be data. Just, I am data. I like Star Trek. I like Star Wars. I like Starbucks. <laughs> Let us go and get some Starbucks and talk about Star Trek. <laughs> just... Oh my god! Oh wow! No! Oh, I'm so glad you were never my father. Shit! Uh, I mean, I'm already fucked up enough as it is. I don't know what that would have done to me. <laughs> I, just, I, I already have bouts of like Daryl has forgotten something, and I'm like, "Are you really him? Who are you? Prove it." Where is Daryl? Something he'd only know. <laughs> yeah. like, it's pretty fun it's, pretty it's fun. not it's not fun for them <laughs> you monster I, I i make them food like <laughs> i can't have a little fun do you know how much fun i provide for those those kids i know you're, you're, you're do you know slave. how much fun i provide i they have toys and shows and games and i take them fun places and they don't do any of that shit for me they don't i come home and they're, they're <laughs> never once are they like Dada, guess what? We're going to take you someplace awesome. We're going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we booked a room you for imagine? you in Atlantic City. We'll stay in the room. Go have fun. <laughs> we'll be cool and, and behave. You go we'll have cool fun. You don't even need to get us any games or anything. We'll just read our books. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Could you imagine, like, is that like every parent's wet dream, I imagine? Just like Seriously, yeah. It's not like I come home and they're like, they're like, Dad, you know what would be really good tonight? Let's get some, let's get some almond crusted salmon and maybe, and maybe some, and, and maybe some good, like, like, like grilled squash. And then, and then, and then you can have a nice, a, a nice glass of wine and maybe a little bit of a side of a filet mignon. That'd be great. No, they're like, yeah. Do we get burgers tonight? Do we get, are we doing can chicken nuggets tonight? Can we get hot dogs? I know. At no point are they like, let's do something that you would like that we're not giant fans of. Like, never once. once. It's so true. Kids are thankless creatures. So if I have to. I know when I was a kid, I never once thought of that for my parents. If I have to occasionally make them think that I've been body snatched for a robot in order to bring a tiny, tiny little specker, speckle of life uh, (laughs) to uh, joy. I can't even say the fucking sentence. (laughs) 
I can't even say a sentence that suggests that I will have a little joy in my life. Stop. It's so foreign to me. It's such a foreign state. My my universal translator is broken on it. It's broken. I'm sorry. We don't have a word for what he's trying to say. You know what I watched, speaking of which, um, I'm starting very slowly uh, to do DS9 with uh, my older son, who really? uh, he's not so into watching stuff, which is hard for me. Lately, he just is not into watching shows at all, shows or movies, and it's bumming yeah. me out. Um, but is, uh, we are kind yeah. of starting DS9, and we're on episode, uh, we just watched the fourth episode, which is Babel, which is the episode where everybody starts speaking different languages. Oh, um, yeah. It's silly, but it's a pretty, it's a tight little episode. Like, it's, it's, it's silly. It could have been on any show. Like it literally could have been on any show, all the way from a very sort of sort of campy '60s vibe, all the way to a very serious vibe on Discovery, and every single show in between. You would just kind of have to change the character names. Like it just it would work on any Star Trek show, but it worked pretty well on DS9. I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, there there are definitely certain episodes that are so sort of quintessentially of the Trek that that's the case. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like for uh, instance, you say you said you were. Are you watching Flash? last season's flash no not yet no okay so there's a there is another speedster i won't say who they are but at one point something goes horribly wrong at the beginning of an episode and so they have to go back in time and try and change it so they go back and try and change it but they fail it goes wrong again and they go back in time and try and change it and they fail and it goes wrong again and they do this over the course of the episode until finally the plot of the episode and i'm like oh it's yesterday's enterprise this works <laughs> we could totally do this on the flash like they're so out of ideas like it's just like hey what if we do the loop episode episode you know like, they were writing <laughs> the, the episode. episode how many times during the writing of the episodes do you think people said the words yesterday's enterprise because you have to imagine the writers of the flash will have seen one of the top 20 star trek episodes of all time right yes well and like there's definitely a huge crossover in terms of like sci-fi and like superhero fantasy type if you will like so those are definitely the writers of stuff like that are most certainly fans like it, it was always it's always fun in shows like i remember in heroes i used to always have much, so much fun finding like the little star trek like easter eggs because they would have them frequently um so i'm sure <laughs> you know what i mean that they were like let's just do let's just do a yeah we'll do we'll do yesterday's tomorrow. i'm kind of surprised yeah. that cisco didn't just turn around and say oh it's like yesterday's enterprise because that's the sort yes, of thing that he would yes that's be a cisco <laughs> thing to do um, so the episode that we watched right before Babel uh, was the episode of DS9 where there is an old like Bajoran terrorist that still can't let the war go. But it's the one episode of DS9 where Lursa and Bator show up. Um, and you're like, oh, it's those guys. And it was so that was like three days ago that I watched that with uh, with my older son. And uh, and unfortunately, um, and this kind of bummed me out uh, just yesterday, um, they uh, it was on the news that uh, Barbara March, who played Lursa, uh, died of cancer uh, oh, yesterday. Man. So um, uh, I, I, th- I to- saw like a like a thing online saying that a Star Trek actor had died. But I was on one of these websites that is like the bad stuff on the Internet. And I always click on things like that to make me go, oh, no. And it's like a lie. So I I assumed it was a lie. 
I'm very sad it was not. Yeah, and you know, I think it's you know, there are frankly so many actors who've been on Star Trek that like they like there was a, a and I forget who it was there was, there was an actress who died you know a few weeks ago ago Star Trek actress and you find out that she had almost no credits but she was like on one episode of a show and so she's called Star Trek actress because if you say Star Trek actress then people click on it. Um, exactly. Which doesn't make her her death any more or less sad. Every death is sad, and, and, and we admit absolutely. That. But um, when they do that stuff, it's it you know sensationalizing. I, think I, <laughs> I feel like we, and I don't know why, but I think we forget Lurs and Bator and kind of what a big deal they were um, on the show. Like they, when you think about it, like you don't think of them as like one of the big baddies of Star Trek. You go Star Trek, ah, you really the, don't, yeah. The poor, but if you think about it, they're on. The, the unification episode of Next Gen, and then they're on an episode of DS9, and then they are, the, they are not unification, I'm sorry, they're on the, uh, the Klingon Civil War, um, and then they show up and they are kind of the the in-show bad guys for Star Trek Generations. They're like movie bad guys. Then yes, Soren is the big bad guy, but they are I kind of think equal to Soren in that movie, Lurs and Bator. You're supposed to be like going, oh look, it's Lurs and Bator from, from the show. Look, they're there. Yeah. And, and, and when you think of the Star Trek bad guys, I mean, I think that they are, they're kind of, if you were to rank all the bad guys on in, in the movies, they would kind of end up getting ranked like maybe just above Cybok from Star Trek Five, because because they're not Kong, they're not as good as Khan, they're not as good as Krug. There is no bad guy in Four. They're better than Cybok. They're not as good as General Chang. They are in Generations. They're not. Yeah. I guess they're above the 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 Sona from Insurrection. Um, yeah, it wasn't a good movie, but they're not as good as Shinzon as the character Shinzon right. from Nemesis. They're not as good as Nero. They're not as good as Reboot Khan, and they're not as good as Idris Elba. They're about as good as Idris Elba. I didn't like that's the one aspect of beyond i didn't love so much um was his character i liked everything about it except his character that so i don't i, I still don't understand that but i like yeah, i yeah. like this character i mean i don't know that it was it, like your your whole position of i don't know that it needed to be idris elba um that's you know possibly up for debate but like i think as a villain goes character wise he's a really good one actually because he sort of strikes at the very core of the belief system I think that there's an archness to the Star Trek film villains that I've always really enjoyed in the films, which is they they are good actors at the top of their game doing their best work, delivering performances that are memorable even outside of the of the story confines that make them interesting. So so Khan is interesting on paper and Ricardo Monsbon, what he's doing is interesting in the performance. Well, and and those I two, think the, the, those two the, things are 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 independent of each other. But with and, Khan, you have that linkage. There's there's so much reason, right? And I think that's probably what you're missing. I, th- I think that what what's interesting, actually, if we, if you sort of think about it, um, the reason that Lur, Lur, um, I can't, Lursa and Bator, yeah, um, I can't speak either today. Uh, <laughs> that they are sort of on par in a way in your mind with um, Idris Elba character it's interesting because i feel like there's it kind of makes a sense i think the reason we don't think of them in the same way is because they're a little bit more personal than your average sort of arch nemesis in that sure. it's a little bit more personal to Worf specifically and yeah and also Idris their performances are more understated their performance are or compared to Khan. 
Right. The, but I'm the, saying, but there's also Boy. on like with Idris Elba's character, what's kind of missing is that personal element, right? He's yeah. doesn't care one way or the other about Kirk, Kirk. or the Enterprise specifically. Yeah. And I think that's probably what makes it less compelling for you. Well, and that's what just, makes uh, that- Khan so compelling is he is both personal to them, but like you could even like with reason, frankly, right? <laughs> In a fucked up way like you have to look at it from his perspective but perspective matters um it's not like he was some great guy and they just done him wrong but like um he's also beyond just being beyond sorry (laughs) fuck those guys right um yeah i so it's that's a weird balance i think for a really good and it never gets personal that's the other thing it never even at the end even when they're fighting at the end they're both fighting to survive and they both completely disagree with the other's ideology but neither one of them has made it personal to the other so you can look at krug krug doesn't krug doesn't care about kirk and kirk doesn't really care about krug until krug kills david and now it's personal for kirk and now when they fight at the end then the personal struggle matters to you and that's like that's that's sort of screenwriting 101 so like you you need to make it so that the bad guy has so either the bad guy has done something horrible to the good guy and the good guy desperately wants to destroy them or the bad guy thinks the good guy has done something horrible and so the bad it's got to be personal for somebody yeah um but beyond that i also think idris elba who is capable of giving very arch and very sort of sort of stunning performances i just don't think he gives that you know he's not giving that that whatever his character is heimdar i think uh uh from thor that that whatever he's delivering there it's not coming through in this character and there's you know when i say arch they're like for instance Die no Hard. i know what you mean he's definitely well, well, like here, in and, thor. And it's unfair to compare him to alan rickman and Die Hard, one of the top five movie villains of all time it's not fair to make the comparison no it really uh, isn't but there is there <laughs> is no reason um there, there is no reason that hans gruber had to talk like hans gruber does it doesn't even make any sense that, that he would go i give you the fbi like there's no reason <laughs> that, that the, the head of these of, of this this group of thieves has to talk like that it doesn't even make sense that he does but boy it's awesome it's awesome what do you that mean he does it that. totally does what, what, what do you <sighs> mean it doesn't make sense what does it make sense about it? it's fucking be- it's brilliant it's beautiful yeah, it, oh it's brilliant but if you met that guy in in, in real life you'd be like this guy's out of his mind oh is there something you want to say to me mr cowboy like it's just like <laughs> yeah yeah he is out of his mind i think that i don't i don't no, think but he's not to- no he's just super super sorry he's not crazy but if you met can you imagine if like like hans 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 kruber going like going to safeway to go get Stop like to, 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 to get to get like like a, a half pound <laughs> hello i'd like to get a Half pound of turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is a. Alan Rickman manages to have this sort of quiet menace the entire time. It is. By the end, I think he knew that he was being ridiculous because if you watch his later Snape performances, not the last one, not Deathly Hallows, where he he brings incredible heart to it, but there are movies like, for instance, I think um, I think Goblet of Fire, where Snape doesn't have much to do. Snape is like barely in it. But the scene he's in, you know, when he's telling them to turn to turn to page three hundred and sixty four, like it's just like <laughs> it's amazing. 
It's oh, incredible. Um, anyway, listen, I want to give. Um, uh, Speaking I feel of like we're... villains, also, like, I'm watching, uh, or I watched, I should say, The Boys. Oh, don't, don't, do not spoil <sighs> this because you, everybody knowing me is coming to me going, you need to watch right now. You need to watch The Boys. It's, it's a show made for you. It's what is. everyone's saying. Like, so I definitely see that. And I got to tell you, dude, like, the, the actors, fucking deliver they're they're really like all of them are amazing and in particular like there's a, i could i would say there's a moment for every character on that show where i like as an actor I was like my god they're fucking brilliant at least once yeah well and i hear that carl urban is hamming it up and is really really fun like like oh I heard he's a, a re- he is a lot of fun but I he's heard, also I heard, I heard somebody say of carl urban that he's a really really good actor but until thor ragnarok you never got to see him really just enjoy himself and that if you talk to him he seems like a guy who's really enjoying himself and that <laughs> that in this in the boys he's allowed to just cut loose and just have a great time and i am i'm looking forward to it if i feel like good. i could see that um, um but the guy like there's some people that i like the guy who plays homelander um i don't he's not familiar he's familiar he feels familiar but i think it's just because he has that look you know what i mean that traditional hollywood male leading guy look you know leading good guy look if you um and he is really fucking good i was like damn this dude is he's fucking good (laughs) like i I don't know if i don't think i've i was like he feels familiar but i don't know if it's because i actually know him from something but damn if he does not just give these really nuanced amazing performances yeah no i'm I'm, the boys is when i finish the Arrowverse shows though i think the boys is next so um stay tuned to what we think of that hey um i do want to give uh barbara scarf who played lursa a little bit a little bit of time here um i feel like we we said oh it's too bad she died here's why she's not as good as everybody else um, yeah, she well, is- and I, I think she, like I said, I think that, that as villains, they were very personal for Worf, and I, and I think maybe that's why they didn't seem to transcend as much as being like villains for the Enterprise and the Federation at large. Well, and Even let's say this: kind of I were, think that there's. But- there's a great example right here of they're great TV actresses. A lot of people go, well, they're TV. They're not movie actors. But there is a difference between the two. And not everybody can can straddle the line. And on the show, if you think in a movie, when you're a, a villain in a movie, you're given you know, a chance to shine and the focus is on you and you are given a chance to be Arch. And, you, and if you think about it, the reason they don't get to be Arch in Generations is because they're right next to Malcolm McDowell who is complete, like it would be too much if they were also arch, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. you know, they say the time is the fire in which we, burn. you know, like it's, it would be if they were also like, yes, and time is also the death of Stormacore, you know, like it would be too much. <laughs> like it would be really just scenery chewing the entire time. There'd be no set left. So <laughs> I, I no get set left. <laughs> I get that, that when you're, when well, you're on a TV show, Thing too it's also it's you know what i mean like there's something to be said for that um as an actor i think that they didn't that they recognized that in the movie and brought what was necessary for the film as opposed yep. oh, to and, trying and for to- the show they were on the show they were good and they were 
perfect foils for everything else that they that everything going around. If you think about, it, you had the son of Duras, you had them, you had Worf, you had Kern, you had the stuff going on with with Data on the Enterprise, you had the stuff going on with Picard as he was dealing with the Klingon Council and trying to figure out what was going on. You had Gowron, you had all these things going on, and they had to do the unenviable task of giving you your first real look at Klingon women. Yep. In in essentially two episodes where they would cut to them from time to time. They had maybe three scenes and they gave exactly what needed to be given without seeming too big and overwrought. And by the way, two Klingon women. And do you know how how much sameness there is among Klingons when you meet them? Like they yep. like like when you even when you did the classic Klingons from the oh, yeah. series Absolutely. who then showed up on Deep Space Nine, as different as they tried to be from each other, they were still sort of the same. And so yep. the fact that that their voices were different, the 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 you know, Lursa was regal while while Betor was sort of slimy. So oh yeah, Lursa definitely. Took, you know, like, like yeah, they they found a way to have these it these characters and I I liked the idea too, like I kind of felt for them sometimes as a woman, right? Because they're in this male-dominant society trying to get power if you boil it all the way down, you know what I mean? Um, in a Klingon way, obviously, but yeah, you know, but they have to be backstabbing. They have to be kind of Romulan-esque in order to pull it off, as opposed to being able to just be straightforward Klingon because of their culture and their society. And I like, I dig that. It makes them really interesting um, that they're willing to go to those extremes and that they're and that yeah, that they're not just these two carbon co- like it would have been easy for them to be the pretty much the same and not really that different or unique from each other. And we may not have even cared, may not have really mattered, but they took the time to find something unique for each of them and and to make those work together. Um, And I like that. Well, and by having two of them be different than whatever is the same about them, wherever their two Venn diagrams intersect, you go, that is the core of what a Klingon woman is. And then wherever their Venn diagrams diverge, you go, okay, well, those are how you individualize the Klingon women. And so when you get, you take, you know, the, that Venn diagram intersecting area, and from that you build out Belan Torres, and from that you build out, uh, you know the the woman who was uh, Martok's wife who oversaw Worf's wedding, and from that you build out the woman who was the 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 Quark married in that one episode. You know what I mean? From that you build out oh, all the Klingon female characters. <laughs> from there, from that these you know performances on essentially guest star guest star performances where they had like six six or seven scenes in two episodes and you have the female side of an entire culture that i mean hell even the what's her name from discovery who was the main character in discovery owes something to she was the main like villain in the first season of discovery the the well, i forget her name from the new head of the klingon empire that we oh right right um, yeah true yeah true she she you know her DNA comes from Lurus and Bator and their performances. So I think it's important to note how much was given to Star Trek by their performances. And yeah. I think that that it's it's easy to forget that because their performances weren't, you know, as showy as Arch as otherwise could be. And let's let's not forget, you know, as a red-blooded American male, the boob window. The boob window was amazing. And they pulled it off very very well. Like it is it is almost a like it starts off as like shit, why do they have this boob window? Why are these why are they why are their boobs sticking out? Do you realize that's right where the Klingon heart is. It's like they're like fucking try and stab me. Like bring it, bring it. <laughs> like there's, I could totally put the I most scared. armor there. And guess like. what? 
I got these boobs and you find me sexy and then maybe that's distracting and then I kill you or maybe I don't. I do what I want. One thing I'm not is scared of what you're going to do. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a there's a real there's a real sense of of like, you know. Oh yeah, there definitely is a sense of them not. And that's the thing, you know, that's what I'm saying, like even though they were like bad guys, like there were times like when I found myself kind of just like I don't want them to win because I like the person that they're pitting themselves against. But at the same time, like I kind of want them to win a little bit because it's like you go, you well, girls go, to, go man. Go to Fuck any it. Star Trek convention and find their influence because there's a lot of boob windows, um, and they're all from these. So let's. Uh, her her uh, name is Barbara Scarf. She was always cre- credited as Barbara March. She played Lursa. Um, she was born in 1953 in Toronto. Went to the University of Windsor. Worked as a stage uh, a stage actress. Uh, she was on L.A. Law and Night Heat. She was a renowned theater actress. She did roles like Lady Macbeth and The Duchess of Malfi. Oh, um, in that. stage productions, she wrote television episodes, poems, plays, and novellas. And in recent years, she has shown up at the uh, at Star Trek conventions in full makeup to take pictures with people. Um, so, so uh, she was a real friend to Trek and a talent even outside of what she gave to Trek. Uh, she was much more than Lursa. Um, and by the way, I always thought that Lursa was the was by far the less attractive of the two. I still think that. But out of makeup, she was a very pretty lady too. Um, uh, you know, the Klingon women can be a little, a little gross looking. And you know, whereas I always felt that, whereas I always felt that that Torres was, uh, was you know, I, you know, my feelings about Torres. She, yeah, she, I just crush on <laughs> you Torres. Your, you and your um, dreams about Torres. Um, uh, yes, uh, uh, but uh, she was, she was lovely, talented, a woman of family, um, a writer, an actress, uh, TV stage. She, she kind of did. Almost outside of being a podcaster, she kind of did everything I ever wanted to do. So, uh, so good, good, you know. Yeah, at least I mean, like, it sounds like it's sad that I mean that. She I mean, she died so early. Fifty three is pretty early. That, she was, yeah, that you know, sucks. She 65. had a lot more to give, I'm sure. Yeah, you know? that that that's. I mean, you know, fuck cancer. Um, Definitely, because she was she was a talent, and think of everything she could have given in the net. You know in the last 20 years of her life that she could have had. Um, But uh, in the time that she, you know, the best you can do is to, is to give the best you can with the time that you're given. And, and boy, oh boy, did she, did she do so. So, uh, so thank you, Barbara, for everything you gave us. uh, Absolutely. uh, And good journey to Stovacor. Um, Okay. On to happier news, uh, bigger news, uh, the big news of the day. Um, yesterday, uh, I guess it was like two days ago now, um, there was a major shift in the entertainment landscape in Hollywood. Uh, CBS um, and Viacom, that you who used to be one company uh, for a long time until 2005, uh, had, a, had a major merger. And the reason this is important is that back in the 80s, CBS, uh, CBS uh, was, uh, was CBS and Viacom was just sort of a telecom company that was acquiring other uh, entertainment companies. And Paramount was owned by uh, by a company called Gulf Western. And CBS, who always had the television rights to Star Trek, 
gave the film rights to Star Trek to Paramount Pictures, which is Gulf Western, which was then um, which was then purchased by Viacom, and then then CBS Viacom and Paramount were all one company, and that is what was happening in the era of Star Trek that we spent the most time in the in the twenty fourth century next gen era of Star Trek. That's what happened there. Well, there was a, sp- a split in the company in two thousand five, and that's when Enterprise went off the air, and from that time because there was a split and they were two different company the films were licensed to viacom and the tv shows were licensed to cbs which meant that you could not have copyrighted materials outside of the basic like plot points from the films intersecting with the tv show so people complained about the film uh about the film the jj verse versions of the enterprise they said it doesn't look right it doesn't look like the enterprise that we know and love and you can't do that well the reason is is that it has to look like a certain percentage amount different from uh the enterprise as seen on tv there was a reason that you couldn't have things like the enterprise e showing up on some of the tv shows for the same reason because it is owned by uh it is owned by viacom not cbs there's a reason why you couldn't have discovery characters showing up so, like there there are reasons that those couldn't yeah intercept. but like i mean honestly i don't i don't think it's bigger news um <laughs> i'll say that um okay. than a person's death <laughs> but oh it's not bigger news than a person's death i'm just talking about in terms of it's in different terms of news news um, news for the future of of star of, trek. of yeah. star trek but i still i don't i mean honestly i don't see that there's that like they have they haven't been conjoined because of where the and maybe that's why the show was doing what the show was doing and the movies were doing what the movies were doing but prior to the reboot the, the jj verse which has you know with it i mean in the very first movie sets itself apart from the uh, typical timeline pretty specifically um they've always it's it's always been there's always been like the movies come after the show is done right like it's just a way for us to see the continuation of those characters there's not been the only time there was like some crossover was very briefly with the last of the original series movies and like sort of early in like like in in star trek six basically that's kind of and generations but that's because there's time travel but like that's the only reason there's connection between well, a sh- I mean, one that, of the that, shows that's airing and a movie well, that's except happened. except i mean not that i mean I, I i hate to disagree with you but like like on deep space nine deep space nine was incredibly affected by the events of the movies Worf joined deep space nine because he was no longer because the the crashing of the enterprise d and when the costumes changed on one, they changed on the other. And when the Defiant was damaged, that they had, they mentioned the Defiant had been damaged and that the fleet was wiped out. They were talking about the Dominion when they were talking about the Sona on the Baku on in Insurrection. And they were, you know, the and Janeway was showing up in Nemesis, and like like these characters were jumping back and forth, and and scenarios were jumping back and forth, and in the movies were influencing the TV shows. And vice versa. Um, I guess I never really, I didn't watch those as they were happening, so it doesn't occur that way. The biggest one being Worf. The biggest one being the Enterprise crashes, and because the Enterprise is destroyed, Worf feels like he has nowhere to go, so he goes to Deep Space Nine. That's like the probably the biggest thing that that the movies changed. But it is an opportunity. Yeah, but here's like, uh, let's be honest. Let's let's not pretend that. 
he had an opportunity to be on Deep Space Nine and they would have just had a, another, re- like, there was, the Enterprise was out there during Deep Space Nine. Yes. So it's not like. No, well, I guess what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is I'm saying. If it was right more like, now, why we, am right I going to be oh, so only in the movies if I have the opportunity to be on the show that's happening right now? Like, let's let's put it this way. If they wanted at this point to make a discovery bo- or before yesterday, if they wanted to make a discovery movie, they couldn't. Or if they wanted to make a movie set in the discovery timeline, they couldn't. Um, right. Or, like, and, and so have it, 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 al- I, it allows now for something that we've never previously really had. I suppose, um, which is why I'm not like missing it, right? It doesn't feel like a vacancy, but it does open the door for sort of an MCU scenario that we have that's been a more recent development since Star Trek, really. Yes, but so, I would say that Star Trek Star Trek is the precursor, the specific precursor to the MCU was Star Trek. I mean, there was a point when there were, you know, you there, there had been two movie franchises and they were connected to shows and characters from the show we're making into the movies you know even if they're just cameos even if it's just like you know the doctor showing up from from voyager on on deep space nine and yeah but that's on the shows the tv shows not on the movies. no 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 i'm sorry the i I, what i meant is actually the doctor showing up in first contact oh you know like like the where where the the shared universe that existed there was a point where there are two shows on television and movies in the theater and they were all referencing each other and we had never that's the thing that i loved and then that kind that kind of went away and then now we have um, yeah, but it, like kind of now, now like we have there the was MC, over, now, there was an oversaturation the, in the in the market, if you will, and that's true. There's, and that a, there is a danger, of that. and so they kind of stopped. Really, like it didn't feel as though it was like at least it never felt to me like they split up. Well, that's man, everything's ruined now. Like I never, no, no, I never, felt I like never it really was, felt the. That's what I'm saying. I never really felt the loss. Now that's not to say I don't feel that there's potentially something to gain because you can do that now but and i think that you know the idea of a successful shared universe that already exists out front is the right move for star trek star trek has brand recognition it has name recognition um you say star trek you kind of know at least the basics of what you're getting it's in the future it's humans they're on a spaceship that's the the first bit that you have and and it's a big spaceship that has a large crew which is one of the things that makes Star Trek so different than, say, Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's all everything else, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Millennium Falcon, it all seems like it's a everyone's on a small ship. And this is the right. idea. Well, no, everyone's it's it's a you know, it's not a battleship, but it's like a battleship. They're they're on a on a larger a larger vessel out there and and things happen on that. It's not vessel. a battleship. But you know what I mean? It's a, it's I don't want to call it a cruise ship because those are those are in in my experience the only two like things that you have in larger vessels that we we have you know, I know, but like that doesn't feel right either yes. yeah those are the i, I guess you cruises like you're not really the yeah. crew on the cruise anyway isn't yeah, really exploring new places or you know what it you know is what it's mean? it's especially the enterprise d is what would happen if a battleship and a cruise ship had a baby it's definitely yeah and the baby looked like a like an amoeba trying to look like an enterprise that's the enterprise d um, <laughs> although didn't they definitely have when uh, sometime when Picard was on SNL and they did a love boat the next generation. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. Well, you know, and it was fucking I, great. That's what I love about about uh, the Enterprise D because when when there were like military things going on, it was absolutely a battleship. 
And then the very next episode, it was like, we're also a ship where we have trombone concerts in the bar. <laughs> it's like a dance <laughs> class. Like it's, it's, it kind of was whatever it needed to be. It was, it was. Well, like the, here's the thing. They were, uh, let's be clear what their purpose was, right? Like they were, they are an exploratory vessel. That's their purpose. Now, sometimes you run into some people that are not nice. And sometimes you run into some people that, you know, just try to, you're just, hey, let's get to know them. <laughs> like it's, it depends on the situation, right? Um, I don't, I don't feel like they were out. Like when I think of a battleship, I think of the Klingons. Like the Klingons aren't going and like visiting another planet, say, hey, they're like, hey, we, uh, we want this one. I don't know. Let's check it out. Like, <laughs> let me ask you this question. Is the Enterprise E a battleship? No, that's a, it's a real, I mean, the Defiant is a battleship. That is a battleship. Um, that's what it was made for. Yeah. Yeah, but um, like consider the difference between the Defiant and the Enterprise. Sure. I don't know. The, the, I, the differences I, are never vast. got to see. It's a much the smaller ship. Explore. It is. It is a much smaller ship. It, it is a much less comfortable ship. Which uh, these things are sure. very pointed out. That, that's um, true. That's true. I'm just. I there's a moment that stuck with me. A very knowing moment from the writers in Star Trek Nemesis, where Picard says, "Does anyone remember when we used to be explorers?" And there's some truth to that. And I had this conversation with um with our good friend Daniel Ross last mm-hmm. night. I was I was speaking to him, and we oh. were talking. We're talking about. We should have the, a moment of silence for Ross. We haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> moment of silence for Daniel Ross, who's totally fine. <laughs> well, yeah, it was just a thing we did way back in the day. Remember? <laughs> I do. That was a really. That was like eight years ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> we've been doing the this a long time, days. guys. The I was talking to our good friend Daniel Ross last night about the the merger and about the Star Trek stuff. And he at first was like, wow, it's going to, you know, I don't, I'm going to reserve judgment till I see it because, you know, Picard is very old and, and I know how he's going to do the action stuff. And I said, and I think this is true. I never a hundred percent bought into action star Picard. Me I neither. never a hundred percent bought into it. Yeah. Um, I see what you mean. It only ever really worked for me twice. It worked for, or three times. It worked for me in first contact at the very end when he's like climbing the ropes and swinging around. Like he looked pretty buff. He looked pretty good. Like he was doing pretty well there. Yeah. I mean, here's, let me be clear. It's not like I think he's incapable. It's just that that's not as good, that, that brute force is not as go to. Well, here's the thing. I don't think that he's not capable of committing violence when he needs to, to, to do action. But he's not an action star. Patrick Stewart, not an action star. No, and um, I think and I think the character he built is not a man of action. And that is a character that was right? largely undone, unfortunately, by the movie version of Picard. And we talked about this before, how the movie version of Picard seems like a very different animal than the TV version of Picard. The movie version of Picard is the kind who who drops down wearing a tank top with muscular arms and smoke and fire, picks up the Borg Queen's head and snaps her neck. You know, that's yeah. that's that's <laughs> kind kind of different. You know, but, the movie version, but in, the, in, the TV in fairness, version of Picard, the TV version of Picard thinks about wine and sits in his office reading old books. The movie version of Picard wants to take a dune buggy out on a mission that he wants to go on just because he wants to ride a dune buggy at high speeds as he's like going around and, and a dune buggy with a machine gun on the back. There's there, like, 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 when you put it like happened? that, it sounds a little bit really ridiculous. You know, you know, you know, the thing is, give I got it. Picard is like, by Going nemesis, is like 60 crisis. something. And yeah. everybody in, in, in Star Trek lives to be like 120. He's yeah, midlife he's crisis Picard. Yeah. He's midlife crisis Picard. He's midlife exactly. crisis Picard. <laughs> what he is. I'm it's, just saying like, cause it's, it, cause you're right. And, and I feel like I, I, I feel like I always sort of, 
explain it away, particularly when you're talking about the Borg, because of his deeply personal level of uh, upset with them, <laughs> uh, where we, because of that, we see a Picard that is not as we're used to seeing him because he's usually controlled. He is not like that's what I'm saying. He's not a man of action. He's not. He's not Kirk. He's not a fucking cowboy going by the seat of his pants. You know, what moment planner, always bothered me and a strategist. Always, the, so the the moment that bothered me the last time I watched First Contact, which is pretty recently, he snaps the Borg Queen's neck and he tosses it down like fuck you. Bleh. He snaps her neck, and the Data says something, and he goes, "She was unique." It's like fucking, you just snapped her neck. <laughs> unique means that she is singular, and you single handedly put her into two pieces. Like, yes. You destroyed like, a unique thing. And yeah, a unique you just life said form. how unique she was, and the the opportunity for study. Also, that's like, what I'm saying. Like the, I, but the reason I think I've always kind of accepted it is because of his personal experience. He's not. I mean, it's funny to say he's been life crisis, you know, Picard, but he's unhinged, Picard. I mean, it's, like it's, let's not yeah, pretend the, he's if you if you the calm, to- cool sort of let's find a you know reasonable diplomatic solution here guy that we're used to at all and it's been very for very personal reasons yeah and, and they make me, that abundantly clear i feel um yeah and for me it was you know i stopped seeing him pretty much from generations forward um in generations you know he he was haunted by what happened to his family and then, you know, he was sort of the same Picard, but there was an action movie bent to him because he had to go toe to toe with Kirk. And then, you know, they found the reason for the Borg. Then in, in Insurrection, it was he was having youthful tendencies. And that, like, I haven't seen Picard from the show since the end of the show. I've seen glimpses of him here and there. Yeah. But, but you know, I think that... Yeah, they definitely feel like this need to... I, I think you see less of a transition when you talk about the original series and the original series movies. Because just Kirk because was... Kirk a, well, actually, I... Kind I of was... Well, they they did the the same. They made the same mistake in the opposite in Star Trek, uh, the motion picture, because the Kirk in that movie bears oh, yeah. very little resemblance. <laughs> they kind of went the, the other way, the right? Like they went from cowboy Kirk to like now he. But but here's the thing: that transition makes a little more sense because we're seeing an older Kirk, like, and that's yeah, clear. Uh, it does, and so the idea supposed, that that he's calmed to be down in his age older, is not. It doesn't. It's supposed to be five years later yeah i guess I, how much do you really calm down in five years but. yeah and i think i think that you know i there's a part of me that almost wonders if the motion picture is in canon because you get to star trek 2 and they're like ha just kidding just kidding <laughs> i mean what we what we meant to say was <laughs> i like when they do that when they like course correct and they fix it it's you know what it's because it makes me think of just because I, I know you watch Game of Thrones and um, there's been all this. I think I read somewhere that there's like people basically petitioning for them to like make more episodes and fix like what they've done. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Here's and I, I think and I I'm think that's that, I think that's both uh, sad and funny to me. I am not invested yet because I haven't watched it, um, but I get the idea and it's like. Maybe you should listen. I don't know. Like, if people are that upset, maybe maybe you should do something about it. And you know, I I like course correcting. I mean, I they 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 didn't write the motion picture out of canon, but they never mention it again. Yeah, they just kind of like it's, let's let's not talk about la, la, that one. La, la, la. 
you know, let's yeah. let's, let's, I mean, let's yeah, it let's, happened. Let's, let's, let's ignore let's know. ignore disco disco ball disco ball bearded McCoy. Nope, that's not what we're doing. Totally <laughs> different idea. Um, I think that that I'm looking forward to the other Picard. But anyway, I do think that going back to the CBS Viacom merger, I am looking forward to the idea of a Star Trek shared universe. And I think that having Discovery and Picard in close proximity to each other, I really, really hope that Picard is a very different show than Discovery. I hope that it is not the same because I don't think that I think that you will be able to engage Star Trek fans in such a way that you can make money if you're giving them different things. The question is, the question always is, is whether or not Star Trek um, can generate enough revenue to appeal to the masses. Because everybody went to see Star Trek 09 because it seemed like the coolification of Star Trek. And people had missed Star Trek. And it was like, hey, this could be kind of a fun thing to go see. Like my dad went and saw that. But I don't think that Star Trek as it is will necessarily appeal to Star Trek fans in such a way that it will it can justify what a giant action science fiction movie budget would need to be, which is what everybody would expect for it, right? It's a it's the catch twenty two. In order to be a movie, it needs to justify its existence as a big screen versus small screen by spending money. But in order to make that money back, like it's like we need to make it big enough that it makes back the money that it costs to make it big enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, I think, that, I it's think this it catch does. 22 that they're in um, where you have to ask the question, why are we doing this? Why are we spending the money at all for this to go into theaters? Why is this competing? And, with and honestly, things? that's the thing. I... I... <sighs> I guess that's why I still don't see I I guess that's still why I don't see this as a big deal like because again the Star Trek movies always felt like we don't have this like the show's over but we kind of miss them hey let's do a movie and it's some time has passed where I guess not in the case of the next gen cast but like um, it's how do I explain like it's especially now with the way the TV is now and the way that they're delivering the content like it doesn't need to be like all the restrictions are gone right you think about all the restrictions that you had for any other Star Trek series before Discovery right we're talking you have to have weekly episodes there have to be like what 26 of them 22 something like that you've got to have this much amount of time for commercials like there are all of these things things that you don't you can throw that out the window now you can you can say hey we can spend that money on half the episodes and make them really awesome and make the, the production value really good to have the storytelling have this really compelling and at that point does it need to be bigger and in a movie yeah i mean that's a that's a fine question but at the same time I do enjoy going out to see Star Trek movies. It's fun. It's fun to be in a movie theater with other like-minded people. And and yeah, in, I hear that. Know. I but but I almost would prefer that those experiences remain different. But I but I still want it to be connected. Like here, I don't. Yeah, want to no. Be I think if they can, I think if they can figure out a way, and I'm not sure what that way looks like. What that 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 framework looks like. But if they can figure out a way to have like big sort of sci-fi Star Trek straddling the line movies, right? So that you're getting enough mass appeal for people to go to the theater to see it. Because apparently the fans of the show are not enough to make the movie I think that you could do, I think you could do every three years a, like, there's no reason Chris Pine can't continue to play Kirk just in the prime timeline, which is a thing to think about. Like it's, you know, Kirk is not genetically different because he is in an alternate timeline. 
So sure. <laughs> you could, you know, you could conceivably have just you know, Kirk back in the regular timeline and just have Kirk movies every three years. Just do it again. Go through it. Let's have so that. That's the only. We're at a point now where Picard, you know, is we're not going to do young Picard. I don't think, and I think that would be a mistake. We're doing really Picard off in his own adventures. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to get another Star Trek hero of the same caliber as a Kirk or a Picard now with the way things are, are, are going on the shows. There's just nothing as dynamic as those two characters and especially as Kirk. And I think Kirk has like got that name recognition. I think you could do you could the only exception could maybe be trying to do Star Trek movies with you know, the new Pike and Spock, but that gets really confusing because now you have two Spocks yeah. out there, like in the, in the movie universe, like it's, I don't know, but I do know that, you know, everyone wants to compete with what Disney has with Marvel and it's yep. hard to, you know, if it's you a hard it- thing to compete with. Cause the thing is Disney Marvel, like Marvel had already done it. Like the writing was already done. They were just translating. Like, let's not like, there was already a Marvel universe. There was already crossover with the comics and the stories and all that stuff. They, they, they already had a blueprint. So it's like, cut y'all, like everybody cut yourself some slack. That's not an easy thing to accomplish. And they had a blueprint. So, I mean, and, and arguably so does DC, but they are implementing theirs poorly. Um, <laughs> but well, like, they're actually, they're actually completely changing course in terms of the movies. They're just like, okay, fuck it. We're doing standalones is what we're doing. That's we're why not- they're implementing it poorly. That's what I'm saying. Like they, they have the same like good blueprint available and they're like, fuck it. Let's start from scratch. Cause why this didn't seem to work. This wasn't a, you know, popular or viable comic fucking company for the past however many years. What do, what do they know? Fuck that. Let's just take what we want and go with it. Um, yeah. Whereas, and maybe because Stanley was involved, I don't know. Um, which, by the way, did I mention? Because I saw him in the Wasp that I think that's my favorite instance of Stanley so far. What? What do you mean, why? Which no, which which one? I didn't hear from Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh yeah, <laughs> the sixties sure were fun, but I'm paying for it now. That is yeah. the fucking best. Captain Marvel like, is my favorite. Captain Marvel is my favorite. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet, so we'll have I'll, I'll have to see if, how it yeah. uh, if it cha- yeah. if I change my mind after that. But as it stands, that's my favorite instance of him. But like maybe that's why the MCU didn't stray so far they were like hey you know listen we've got all the source material here like just use it <laughs> oh oh there's a thought so trying to replicate that's really hard well i think, and I the think best that chance- i i do think our but i think the best chance i think you hit on it is because everybody wants to see pike we want to see a pike spock show like i would watch that shit and just but call I it think- star trek just call it Star Trek. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I mean, they're on the Enterprise, and I love it because you get to have as Roddenberry had first wanted, and how we didn't really get to real to truly explore because they wasn't allowed to at the time. You get to have a second in command be a woman. Like I want to see that dynamic. I I'm interested in seeing that. And I think that Pike can translate to the big screen. I think he has a Kirkism about him that a bigness about him that can make a movie situation work. So if they don't do a show, I think and and I think that makes more sense in a way, because then you don't have to worry as much 
about how much crossover there is. You can have a little bit because it's good to have, but you've got this big ship that's off doing its own thing and Discovery's off doing its own thing. Um, Obviously, he can't be on Discovery anymore at that point, but um, I'm just saying, like, I think that has potential. Yeah, I think that, and I think that the trick to that, you know, and I know Paramount listens to the show, so hey, guys. So hey, for listening. Thanks for listening. Um, The other trick to that is make make the movies for 90 million. Like, don't make a $180 million film. Don't make it 200. I think... Yeah, I don't think you need to make it that big. Like, I think that with, especially if you keep in mind what the shows actually are costing to produce now, how great Discovery can look on the budget it has. And it doesn't have nearly that budget. But um, if I look up the Star Trek Into Darkness budget, and the budget for Star Trek Into Darkness was $190 million. Mm -hmm. You don't need to spend that. And And here's the thing. You don't have to, like, because of... Because of who you had, you had to spend that. Like part, like let's not pretend that part of that isn't paying for the fucking cast. Okay, but the but yes, that's true. But Star Trek two thousand nine was one hundred and fifty million, and there was no one in that cast that was a star. There were no stars in that cast. Yeah, it launched people basically. Um, and and so if you think about that, you go. You go like if you'd made it for sixty million dollars, man, it's made it for ninety million. You know, making making space battles look good for cheap is they they can do that now. That's Absolutely. something you can do. Like space battles, you can get right. And if you keep like you don't need to go you know, on to every planet. You don't need to, to like you can keep it as Star Trek wisely did. You know, Star Trek Two you was you were in caves and you were on ships and that really worked in it. And it was it, it could still be fun. Star Trek Nemesis. You know, frankly, you with you, you could have cut cut the chuffa out of the film and keep the the Star Trek stuff and make it a big you know rip roar action film. That's what the movie should be. But you can do that b- keeping them in space without spending the extra money you don't need to spend and make it so the movie just you know just needs to make a you know a worldwide of of two fifty, which it probably could. Um, yeah, and that seems imminently doable. Yeah, and I think like even you, if you like if you think about like the cage, if yeah, you, you could, expand had expand like let's say like just speculating, if you had expanded that story a little bit and told it as a movie, it would have worked. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I think that that crew, I think that Pike, the Pike crew of the Enterprise, is lush, open fucking space. <laughs> That you have, so you're not as tied down by the moorings of of canon, and they're they're more like pillars of canon that kind of hold you up. Yeah. And then you've got the freedom to explore and do crazy shit up there without being bogged down in like, well, fuck, with this character did this though at this point, and we can't really like the only thing that you can't fuck up. Like we're all gonna know Pike can't die. Yeah, Pike and Pike and Spock can't die. Like that's Spock the only thing must that we get to Kirk one day. Right? Is that Spock and 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 and? But that's the thing. Like I. I have only had a couple of in, like interactions at this point with his number two and I fucking dig her. You know what I mean? And she could die and that would be awful and have consequences. And there's other people on that bridge that we haven't even met yet that we don't know anything about because it doesn't have to be the pe- like you can make those people up and you can make those people compelling and you can make them people we fucking ki- give a shit about like Sulu and Chekhov and you can put them in peril you know what I mean like you're not really giving up consequence right just because there's two characters that are off limits well and you know it's interesting that and they're only off limits that- from death really <laughs> the one thing that people keep bringing up is Tarantino Star Trek you know he's got a movie in theaters right now and so it keeps coming up the Tarantino Star Trek keeps coming up and I've been kind of not loving the idea of it because I've realized what, as I've galvanized my thought, one, I feel like the tone will be wrong. Two, I'll be kind of bummed. Like if he wants to make a completely rated R Star Trek, 
There's a part of me that's like, but I want to take my kid and I can't be the only one who wants to like, there's going to be someone right now who's like, oh, I finally a Star Trek movies in theaters and I can't take my kid to go see it. And that's a bummer. Here's the, um, you're, uh, but, but here's the, you, if your kid has watched Discovery, I cannot imagine what would be in an R rated Tarantino. Like you watched a Tarantino film? Yes, <laughs> I have. And I also saw. And I also saw just as bad people's spines inside out gore all over the place and fucking discovery. So don't give me that shit. Yeah, I, I don't think it quite is the, the level of brutality that Tar- Tarantino, you know, he says he wants uh, to make Pulp Fiction in space. And I don't, you know, I, I don't I don't know if I if I if I want to see, you know, Kirk, Kirk talking to Kirk talking about Orion slave girls going sticking his tongue in the holiest of holies. And then later on, he's, you know, he's getting, you know. I don't even want to say on the podcast the stuff that happens in in Pulp Fiction. It's uh, it's amazing film. I love it. Great for grown ups. It is. It's a the great The other film. thing, the it. bigger issue that I have is not only do I feel like it will be so tonally different from the rest of Star Trek, but I also feel like Tarantino's not going to give two shits about canon. He's not going to care about writing when or staying within the rules of you know. Of, yeah, I don't think you're giving Tarantino enough credit, man. I think I, mean, I don't know why do, you think I, he's I, I not feel like going Tarantino to. Tarantino wants to do and maybe you know is confident enough to go. What I make is what you know. He does shit gold, like literally almost. He's not made even his worst movies are pretty good, and his best. That's what movies I'm saying. Like, and are, consider that. Consider the source. So maybe. <laughs> You're not giving him enough credit, and he's I not going he to make some really crazy, his. tonally different. Maybe he like has the I don't know the confidence to realize he doesn't have to do that to make it good. Yeah, and I think he I, does. I think he has that confidence to go. I don't have that. anything to prove. I'm quitting fucking Tarantino. I'm going to do this well, and that's going to make it good. I don't have to do this in some particular way to make it somehow so Tarantino. Like that. That's like not even a thing. Yeah. I. I mean. I. I. I am not optimistic. I'll go see it. You know. And I'll. And look. The, we're pretty good at changing our tune. You know, well, I hope all, I'm not let down. I guess that because I'm yeah. I mean, look where we were because I know Beyond. you're listening. We were, Don't let me we down. We were ready buddy. to hate Beyond <laughs> because it was made by the guy who made Fast and the Furious and yep. it had motorcycles, and, and we're like, this is going to fucking suck. And it was yeah, it was really good. So like, we're yeah. willing to change our tone. Um, hey, last bit. Um, last bit. I want to just take the last like 15 minutes or so of the show and ask this question. It's been on my mind. Okay. Considering reboots and considering things that we love, that we wish there was more of in a world where it in becomes impossible to make the originals anymore. You couldn't make a Shatner Star Trek at this point that would be all that satisfactory. All that satisfactory. He's not going to be able to be the Kirk that you remember. You could do one where he does something like Picard, which would be really interesting. I would love to see an elderly Kirk, like an introspective end of his life Kirk situation. Um, and I think that I would could, like I'm, to see a Kirk anything situation. Obviously, you know me. Yeah, but I would I would love to see that. But knowing that that can't happen, and we got you know a fairly good reboot out of that. Um, in a world where Robert Englund is just not gonna put the makeup on anymore. Uh, in a world where Robert Downey Jr. says he's done with Iron Man. Uh, or in any other franchise, what franchises that are no longer available to you as they were. Would you want to see come back as a reboot if they could do it right? Or are you staunchly against rebooting things that you love? Would you rather have no more of things?
things that you love as yes. opposed to having a rebooted version of the things you love. And I'll start to give you, cause I'm, I, I've had days <laughs> to think about this and I'm just, I've, well, I'm just, I'm springing it on you. So I want no, to I know. Mind. But like, what's interesting to me is without hesitation, my answer is yes. I would rather have no more than really? reboot some shit that's already good. And yep. I, I got, I ha- I totally disagree. I um, know you do. <laughs> cause I want more. I want more. And I, I. So my, watch it again, you fucking baby. But I want new stuff. I want more stuff. Oh want, my God, you're like, such a child. <laughs> I'm at a point now where I can't really watch and get enjoyment out of Nightmare on Elm Street movies anymore the way that I used to. I just can't. They don't scare me. They don't surprise me. Well, they never scared me. There's nothing new in them. I think that I have extracted from that everything that can be extracted. I am I am it no longer like it's a, you know, it's like I, when you. You're so you fucking contrary, I've, 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 Like I've, you're all, I don't have time to watch all the amazing stuff out there. And then you're like, but I want more of this, this one kind of pizza. Just this one, the one with the it's pepperoni really true. No, you're and not- the pineapple. And I don't want it to be gone, but all these other flavors are really fucking good. Like there's, I haven't even gotten through half the fucking menu, but like, what? you're not wrong. You're not, you're, that is, that is a fair assessment of, of me almost as a human being. When I think yes. of, when I think of the music that I listen to, um, I either re-listen to old music that I like, or the only new music I ever listen to is new albums by bands I, that I've always loved. So when Bare Naked Ladies puts out a new album, I'll listen to it a bunch. Um, even even though I know it's not quite as good as their their prime stuff that they used to do. Um, but I just like I like hearing those voices singing new songs. Like I like hearing, you know, Ed Robertson of the Baronet Ladies, I like or, or Ben Ben Folds or Eminem. I know that the new Eminem stuff is not as groundbreaking as his original stuff, although I think he's become a better wordsmith than he ever was. But I it's clear to me that he is not, you know, he's not really breaking new ground. But I love hearing his voice doing what he does. And when a new Eminem album comes, I'm like, yay! Even though everyone's like, yeah, it's not as good. I've moved on. I don't want to move on. I like it. Um, and I want to hear, I want to see that stuff before. And it's a hard for harder for me to take on new new properties that I don't know. Love. Marvel is pretty good at introducing me to new stuff by bringing me through their formula. Um, but I do want stuff. So I, I do. The first one that comes to mind to me is Freddy. I really want more. I want more Nightmare on Elm Street. I feel like the horror landscape is like, I'm not digging most horror that I see these days. Dude, did you have you seen what just like came out? What just Scary out? stories to tell in the dark? I have not seen it. I heard it's good. I haven't seen it either. But like, didn't you read those books voraciously no. as a child? No, I didn't read. I didn't read a lot of books when I was. I read comic books. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't. A, I wasn't. I was yeah, but more like scary stories to tell adult. in the dark, like is. I don't know. It's like for me it's an iconic piece of my childhood like to the really? point where I had not heard of it I had not heard of it until now um because I mean, I don't know. We don't we don't talk about our childhoods that often. Um, but like to the point where our my niece was always, you know, was always like asking grandma to read her scary stories before bed. And this is a young, young child. Like I think she's eight now, but she was like at the time that we bought her this stuff. I think it was like f- maybe five. Um, and I was like, how odd, you know what I mean? Like that's not typical. Um, and I was like, I know the perfect. Thing. We'll get her scary stories to tell in the dark and scary stories to tell in the dark volume two, the second one. And there might have even been a third one. Oh, this would be so great. This will be a piece of my childhood that I can share with 
you know, an extended family member and, and have it be a part of their childhood. How cool is that? Right. So I went to look it up and I found I found it right away on Amazon. But I was like, huh, the cover doesn't look right. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, it's, I didn't expect it to be a first printing, but, you know, I didn't think the cover would be different. Or why, they, why did they change the cover? And and then I started like reading the comments and like all the comments are like, I was looking for my I was like, oh, my old favorite scary stories in the dark. I was looking for it. I got this. Don't buy this. It's not what you think. They have redone all the art and it sucks. And I'm like, why would they do such a thing? Because like that was the thing. Like, because you said you read comic books. Part of the thing about the scary stories to tell in the dark was they were very short, typically, and they had this really sort of specific art style to them. That's what made it iconic in my. It's the kind of thing that solidifies it in your brain when you're young like that. I think you know, like it's a like seeing a thing. It's like, oh, I remember that. Um, so I love that it looks like the actual scary stories from my the art that I remember, not whatever this new bullshit is. Because <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like I had to I had to go find used copies, like good used copies, and pay a fucking markup, a crazy markup, to get her. Because I was like, I'm not getting her some subpar experience. I'm not doing that. Um, so that's I, I think that speaks again to our differences, right? Like right there. I'm like, I'm not going to buy her the new ones with new art because the old art was perfect just the fucking way it was. Okay, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about doing like the George Lucas doing the thing that you had before again. I'm saying what if you there are was a, though. No, what if there was a scary stories to tell in the dark? part four that and let's say the artist was dead but they made a fourth one and it was pre- like like okay so the james bond is based james bond is another great example of how they they re- they every time there's a new actor playing james bond they kind of reboot james bond the style of james bond is different than the james bond movies that came before right sure it's, but that's the, but that's been a never-ending cycle since it started no so not it's... really when it was started they didn't intend to do that but connery quit and they got roger moore and they're like well let's make it totally different then roger moore petered out and they got timothy dalton they're like okay well roger moore got silly let's make it let's make it you know like sort of gritty and they're like well he's not charming enough okay let's make it let, let's not make it gritty let's make it fantastical which was pierce brosnan they were like oh that got silly okay jason Bourne. let's make it all jason bornish and 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 really frenetic and that's the current iteration of bond and when they make the new bond whatever they do the new bond they have to they're going to have to make a stylistic choice so the movies the movies themselves i would like to see them make a make it a woman honestly but that's not james bond why not because that's not the the character of james bond what it's intrinsically male his name is james so and he's, girl he's, can't he's, be named james it's it's would they you be o- would you be o- would you be okay with I'm trying to think of a of a. I think James Bond is one of those intrinsically male characters. I don't think it is a mantle. Now a 007, she could be a different 007. Um, I think that 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 could work. But I think that that you know, it's. I guess it could be an interesting experiment. But it would be like saying, I want to see a movie about Abraham Lincoln where Abraham Lincoln's a, a, a woman. You know, I, I guess that would you know. Yeah, you but know, James I, Bond wasn't a real person. <laughs> but James Bond is is a is an established. You know, I would say that, that there have been more movies about James Bond than about Abraham Lincoln. You know, That's so in the true. Cin- and why? Because language. because if you're going to make a movie about Abraham Lincoln, you can't just make any, you can't just have anybody. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, they've been so interchangeable with Bond. It's not like 
they've stuck to he has to be he has to look this specific way he has to behave this like if they had these hard and fast kind of rules i might agree with you but they're so loosey-goosey with it the the idea of it being a woman is no i would say no more fantastic i don't feel that the character of bond has changed very much actually i what i love about the character of bond is how anachronistic now and how um how he doesn't fit in society now which is very interesting because when connery was playing him he was like the perfect man right in the 60s he was the perfect man and as the times changed bond did not so that by the time you got to the brosnan bonds you had m was calling him out as being a a a a a dinosaur she actually says the word dinosaur you're a misogynist dinosaur a product of a time that has gone by and so Mm -hmm. it's now now the the bond as as daniel craig plays him is He's almost like a misanthrope um, because he's just does not fit in the time today because he's still the same bond. He is, you know, he has not changed where the world has changed. So I don't feel that Bond himself is malleable. I feel like the the <laughs> films around him is malleable. Bond has been an, an, an unchangeable character. Do you okay. think that a woman should play Freddy Krueger? That'd be interesting. I mean, I think when you go for the premise of his story, it doesn't work as well because there aren't as many creeper ladies as creeper men, but it's not unheard of. Like that was sort of what they they thought he like. I think people would be less likely to think a woman was a creeper and take matters into their own hands. That's the only problem I see. But if you change the backstory, which I guess there's no if you're going to reboot but, but then it's not freddy the but then it's not freddy i mean that's right. the that's, that's what the, i'm saying like and i, I think don't bond, I, think I think you bond, could make I bond. Like bond i think is, you could put also, a woman in that role have her behave just as bond would behave and not have a not have anything be a problem i, I mean i one i don't think they'll do it because i think that that i am a fairly progressive person as, as progressive yeah, no, people I go i am i am fair i i am fairly me too as guys go and if i am bristling against it uh-huh. i'd still go see it but i would bristle against it they they would have to work hard to convince me that you know that you can gender gender swap this character um if i'm having that problem then i think other i think there are characters that you could i think there are characters that work really well but you 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 would immediately be it would be the female blankety blank whatever it is you know what i mean like it would if you were the first to do, time you do it it's always going to be but that's the, 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 that's how the, you start the, <laughs> so and that's and that is you know again i don't it's a I mean, it's the same argument as the Hermione Granger thing, really. Like when everybody got all upset when they were casting the musical and they cast a woman of color and everybody was like, but that's not what she is in the book. I and don't. But OK, but JK I, I think, Rowling I think is very that- She's like, well, I'm sorry. I never specifically said she wasn't and couldn't be like what that's ridiculous. Right, but, they, but what if what if they did the the musical and they and Hermione was now a dude and she was a and she was a you know a real dude's dude a guy's guy she was a bro. Well, now like you're changing was, the character. All right. So what if she was? But that's the thing. What if? Mm-hmm. Okay. What if she was just a dude? Well, it was just a, uh, there was a guy a guy playing Hermione. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with that other than there there's already plenty of male roles, right? Like the only real reason I take issue with. Uh, traditionally female role being played by males because there's no reason to do it because there's no fucking there's tons of pretty much the entire landscape of most of media is really great interesting complex male roles white male so roles. there's yeah, no that's, that's so there's that, that there's no true. reason to right that's the only reason i would say no but all things being equal i would have no problem with that but they're not equal 
now, you know what I mean? You know, you, you gave me a really great idea. So, so jumping from the original topic, which is reboots, which it sounds like we've come down to, you don't want any reboots of anything. And I want uh, just to, I guess. And you do just because I want more. But I want them to be the same, good. But I mean, I think that, you know, <laughs> it, it occurs to me that as much as I say, you know, I'm glad that that Nightmare on Elm Street re- reboot exists. And I, I've been a little bit of, of a defender of it going, well, at least I got more Freddy. It's worth noting. I watched it twice. and never watched it again. I'm just saying. Um, so like it, it would need to be super well crafted. I think Nightmare on Elm Street would work really well as a Netflix series. Um, I, I really, really think that that telling that story, you know, and not Nancy, but if, if you did a, you know, and I don't want it rebooted i always want it sequelized it can be a different cast but i want okay that's fine like if it's if you're talking sequels yeah that's what that's what i'm talking especially it's a little bit different than rebooting well i'm talking sequels i'm talking see i'm okay with reboots if you're in franchises that are not continuity heavy like jason Voorhees is not terribly continuity heavy. well and frankly you don't see his face so anybody can really play him it's fine (laughs) you know what i mean neither and neither is bond bond is not particularly continuity heavy um, at all. Uh, Bond is always interesting because Bond always takes place now. That's what I. Whatever love about now Bond. is, yeah. Whatever now is, Bond is always now. Um, you know, so it's Bond is always the same age, and it's always now. Oh, it's just fun. So the Freddy, I would want sequelized. Jason, I would be okay with it being a complete reboot, if, as long as the reboot was good. Um, I'm trying to think of other of, of franchises. I mean, Die Hard. I would I would be okay with a with a Die Hard uh, soft reboot, like with a bringing Die Hard into. I don't know. I'd love to see another. I I you know what I I wish I could get young Bruce Willis back, but I yeah. would I would be okay at this point. I love the concept of Die Hard. And I love the character of John McClane. And I think that Bruce Willis sucks ass. So I'm okay with rebooting that with somebody else because I don't, I don't want Bruce. I don't want another sequel to Die Hard because I don't want to see Bruce Willis phone in another fucking performance. I don't. I, I was so angry at him after Glass. Do you think if he was passing the torch in that franchise, like that's the only sequel slash reboot situations that I have seen that have really worked for me is when there's a legitimate passing of the torch from the old guard to the new. Yeah, like a John, like a young John McClane, like it's half flashbacks and it's half him. And then all the Die Hard movies from now on are are set like in the early like the late 70s early 80s that could be cool that would be interesting and it's it's although that kind of undoes the mystique of the original Die Hard, which is just no just a regular i guy. mean that's what i'm saying like he's just he's not a regular guy now yeah but he's a super there's guy. some scenario where he's talking a regular guy through being a john mcclain yeah he's his, his superpowers are that one he can't get killed and two he can't emote um <laughs> Fuck Bruce Willis, by the way. Um, wow, I'm sure, that is harsh. I'm sure, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, he clearly doesn't give a shit when he's acting anymore. Um, and that bums me out because I loved Bruno. I loved that dude. My point is that that Die Hard is a story and an idea that I like. And whatever you do that seems like a Die Hard on a, like Speed was Die Hard on a bus. Um, it was actually a really, really great movie. It um, was. But like it, it all is sort of compared to Die Hard. Now, I would love to see more movies like Die Hard. And ha- like you could reboot the original Die Hard now. And how much different is it when you have cell phones and stuff? And that's an example of what they're doing right now. So there are, there, there are two things going on or were going on before the Disney Fox merger. One, they were going to be doing a new Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. Um, but it was unclear whether it was a reboot or whether it was a kind of the same TV show as Buffy set in the same universe. Like it's a new Slayer and a new high school, but taking Buffy back to high school. 
And that's one thing they're doing. The other thing they're doing that's really interesting for Buffy right now is they did a Buffy reboot in the comics. So Dark Horse lost the license to the comics, which was the continuation of the Buffy show that we all watched. There was Buffy season eight, Buffy season nine, all the way through the comics, which had to deal with the events of Buffy up to that point. When Dark Mm -hmm. Horse lost the license to Buffy, a new comic book company picked it up and they have rebooted Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, in the comics from the very beginning. And they're retelling the story of Buffy from her arrival in Sunnydale in the comics. What's interesting is they're still drawing them like the actors who played them. So mm-hmm. it's still based on the show, but it's set now, huh. which is really interesting. So it's it's they are drawing Buffy like she looks like Sarah Michelle Geller, and she's in 10th grade. But she has a smartphone. Right. And there are, and that's one of the things they want to do with the Buffy reboot. They, you know, because the show always dealt with the the allegories for issues that kids are going through. Right. Um, well, cyberbullying didn't exist. Yeah. That, that was something point. that was new. And social media didn't, didn't exist. exist. Yep. And everybody could just go well, hang out. Well, in those the ball, circumstances, but- I do kind of see a reason potentially to reboot something that was doing a thing specifically. And while it did that really well, well while it was on that not only it's not just about let's update it so people so kids can relate to it better or people can relate to it better because they're like why don't people have cell phones why aren't people on computers like that's i don't think that's the right reason to quote unquote update or reboot something but in like what you're talking about like with buffy when it's the point was what they're dealing with and that landscape has changed significantly and been impacted significantly by the technological advancements it makes sense that there might be a good reason to revisit that well and and i think elm street works the same way because elm street like buffy is the inverse of buffy where 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 freddie goes after your hopes and fears and 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 what's affecting you as a teenager so what would the nightmare version that kills you of social media look like oh that's really interesting interesting. i see where you're you're going with this okay like what would the nightmare what like what kids are dealing with today you know what how does that factor into freddie so you don't just tell retell the nancy story but she happens to have a cell phone it's a brand new bunch of kids and they're totally different you know what what you know the the stereotypes that you do of kids now are are very you know, different yeah the 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 kid who i mean you still have the jock you still have you now you've got the hipster and, yeah, you got the hipster, uh, but the jock is different. The jock is not not the jock that it was. Like the like like the jock uh, also knows Java. The jock also knows JavaScript now. Does like he? everybody is everybody's plugged into all the information at this point. It's like it's not like no. Don't you understand? At one point there was a what? There was a Freddy. It's like have you heard of Freddy Krueger? Hold on. Tap 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 tap. Okay, here I have his Wikipedia page. Right. Like it's it's you know everything is demystified. All the information is available. So in, disinformation is the thing that would make it so people didn't know what to do about freddy everybody would be able to know about freddy that would immediately spread all around the school maybe it's freddy maybe it's freddy like that like that would be really cool actually and that's that's a sequel scenario though that's what i'm saying yeah that's not a reboot but you can have a new guy playing freddy or you can even have you can under under you can under the makeup because you've you've got enough makeup that that england could even still do it if he was up for it yeah um I just think you're in a situation where you are, where I would love to see things updated or like to see things done with the technology you can do now, or just the way that you shoot films now, you know, as, as much as I love the original Die Hard, you know, and I think it's a great movie and I just showed it to finally showed it to my older son and he really liked it. It's worth noting the first, like the, the action a- element of it is not as breathtaking as it was for the first time I watched it. Cause I'm just, they've, they've learned how to do breathtaking better. Now they've learned sure. how to watch the 
most recent Mission Impossible movie. If you haven't seen it, it oh, is, I do want to see it. But um, I mean, like, I just I started watching Wu Assassin, and that's a show. It's a TV show. Yeah, and in the fucking very first episode, the action in it is fucking amazing. So so like you know, Die Hard. If you just do reboot Die Hard and you do it really well, a guy trapped in a in a building, run away, running away from terrorists. You know, it, the way it looks when he's climbing through elevator shafts now is and you is you you don't do it in make it look as big and CG as you can. You do it make it look as harrowing as you can. Yeah. Um, and they, they know how to do that now. That could work. Like, I would love to see a, a diehard movie where I really felt like he was going to fall down an elevator shaft, where I really felt like those bullets from the terrorists are just inches away from his face and are just going to get it. And he's just hanging out by the skin of his teeth. But you got to keep the heart of it, too. Sure. Um, or it could be a woman. Yeah, there's a world. Anyway, that I would love that. <laughs> and actually, you know what I would love? Um, I, you I actually saw I actually watched an indie movie and I cannot remember the title of it now and I feel really bad about that um, but I think I watched it on Netflix and it I, like it made me think of it kind of reminded me of like Die Hard with a Woman like it was a scenario um, where I guess she was work she used to work like her father is involved with a um, some kind of a monastery or a religious organization and these bag like they had more personal and they weren't just after but they were after money because religious organizations tend to have a lot of money big religious organizations tend to have a lot of money um, so they were definitely after the money but they were also after the hypocrisy that they saw in the people who formed the board or whatever of the sure, thing yeah. and so there was you know so there was a little bit of an ideology bent to it but mostly it was about the money and it was basically about her kid was there with her like wasn't supposed to be there wasn't supposed to go with her she went to this meeting and then she had to go for something else and her kid gets trapped in the building and she's like ramp <laughs> rampage she rampages to get her kid back and is the un- and no one and she's the unknown element because she's not supposed to be there right yeah um, but she's got all this background like military special ops um, and it was pretty good like but it was like way low budget like and I and I kept thinking I was like this is kind of diehard with a check I was like you know that would be a really fun movie like if I wish they had yeah. I wish they with a budget that would be really fucking cool yeah, to watch yeah no, I agree it would be really really I, and and again I feel like uh something that would be you couldn't call her Jason so you could I wouldn't even call it Friday the 13th but I have yet to see a really good mindless female slasher, you know, ultra powerful female slasher character, which could also be like, like a Jason, like just completely unstoppable, no matter what you do. And she, you know, no matter how hard you run, she can walk and get like, just do Jason. But it's a woman. And you You know know. what? With, with Freddie, I actually think there's a way you could do it because Wes Craven has a like, like particularly with the last one, the last installment. Well, I guess what I I think there might've been one after new nightmare. Was there one after new nightmare? Uh, Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, it doesn't. And the really, reboot. That doesn't. Those don't really count. Um, I love Freddy vs. Jason. It's oh, I do too. It's a lot of fun. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. It's exactly the mindless, silly what I wanted it to be. Like with Jason being Jason, he's just so stoic and unstoppable, but no fun. And Freddy being his quippy fun self. <laughs> yeah. No, Freddy vs. Um, Jason is a great book. Yeah, but you know what I mean by it not really kind of counting in the sense of. But what I'm saying is like with the with New Nightmare. He has, he sort of, that's why that's one of my favorites is how he blurs the line between, and and there's this meta thing happening between fantasy and reality. And I think particularly if you're going to bring it into the technological age, um, it could get warped because of that. Yeah. There's the, the one thing. There's a potential there, like that Freddie becomes through belief 
is created wasn't a real thing comes from the movies and something bad happens some sorry some random bad thing happens that it's like the beginning of a um like when you have the start of an urban tale yeah i feel like and then i feel saying. like we're past the meta commentary in the movies thing though i think that that you know maybe if that comes back around but it'd be really hard to do uh, but I then you could make it a woman because it's so pervasive this the culture the shift right now of like being mindful and recognizing the fact that you we, could do it in in universe you know I mean? where 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 you double the threat because you i mean you do have these women who who fall in love with with like serial killers behind mm-hmm. bars and stuff you do yeah so you could have essentially someone who you know freddy's it's in springwood and freddy's dead and gone and a and a woman you know who was obsessed who, with him for some reason who's obsessed with obsessed, him who's yeah. who's who's in love with thinks he's so you know the, you have people right now thinking that ted bundy is super sexy it's bizarre Ugh, i know i know it's i don't bizarre. know it's, it's a very odd thing like kill me you know kill me baby and it's like what yeah i don't yeah. understand so, that <laughs> like but you could have a, a woman who who decides that she wants to summon freddy because she says she envisions them as partners and, and instead and, he like inhabits her um no 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 she oh they're, or they're she, like a team it's tag well, I think I think halfway through, like Bonnie and like, Clyde. Like, <laughs> no, I think halfway through, I think he murders her. I think that that she unleashes the she unleashes the demon, and then that she finds that it is far more distasteful than she thought it would be. And and you know, yeah, when faced with it, when when fantasizing about it, it was one thing, and then the real thing. Yeah, I, th- I think that halfway so it's through, it's like the you, realization of how that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you kill, that's an you interesting kill her idea. Style and nobody expects it. Nobody, and then the 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 protagonist is you know the 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 second female character the. It, it becomes the lead. It's like it's like Psycho, where you you just yeah. switch leads halfway through. That um, is a really interesting idea, actually. And and the and the first. And half I know Wes Craven's listening, and he's really good at making this shit work. Guess get it done. Well, man. he's dead, so I don't know <gasps> why that he is. Like for like ten years, he's been gone a while. You see that? I was just <laughs> like, I don't want to like accept years. these things, so I like at some point decided that wasn't true anymore. <laughs> I guess it's probably three four years. Um, but uh, okay, but I was like ten years really? Where where where, where she could be going around just like where she's not to summon him. She's like murdering people in yeah, the style of Freddy. In the style of Freddy. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, it gets to the point where it's someone that she likes and she doesn't want it, but it's then Freddy comes out and now Freddy's loose and, you know, he's, he's, he's just like, you know, you know, bitch, why would, why do you think I'd care what you want? <laughs> You know, and, and 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 it's this big surprise that this has actually happened. Um, and you know, but for like, it could be that because that's a dark fucking film, and it could also be funny. Yeah. It could also be a, it, it could be funny. It could be dark. It could be. A it could be all the culture. things that it is. It could be all the things yeah. that the original one was. Really, yeah. Like it could and be then, all the and things then you that. Get, and then you get the the fantastical the fantastical CGI nightmares at the end. You get the you know yep. the, the the visual weirdness that you the film can offer happens at the end. Like yeah, and it's starting halfway through as opposed to right at the start. It's a different yeah. it's a different kind of burn. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I would watch that movie. That would be really fun. Yeah, and the trailer the the, the 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 trailer could surprise you because you could be like, oh, it's a female Freddy, and then you realize, oh, it's not a female Freddy. There's actually Freddy is in it, and you think that you think it's going to be a movie about that t- them teaming up and. And then, of course, halfway through the film, the surprise is, no, he just fucking kills her. And yeah, like, because like, that's fuck? what fucking serial killers do, man. Like, you like, know what like, I mean? Like, what do these women think if Ted Bundy came to them? Like, like if he was alive, because I'm pretty sure he's dead, right? They can't, like, Ted Bundy's not alive anymore. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, what do, do, what do you think would happen? 
You think he would yeah, love he, you differently and wouldn't kill you? You, you he would kill you and you want to be killed? I don't understand. Um, and and it's worth exploring. It's an interesting thing to explore, and we haven't as much. Yep, yep. So I think yeah, it's 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 an that's it's an interesting idea, and it could be a commentary in our times. So yeah. Anywho. Um, uh, thanks for listening to, uh, to all of the things we had to say today. Yeah. Guys, it's, it's really good to be back. Uh, as we get into the fall, we'll be doing this, you know, more regularly than we have. Thanks for bearing with the sometimes the two, three weeks crazy. breaks in between the shows. Um, you know, hard to record when you got kids in the house. Like yeah. it's just there. They, they just don't, they, they don't love it when you go to record. So, uh, so <laughs> they don't love they it go- when you aren't giving them whatever they want, whenever they want all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, but for now, my name is Justin. <laughs> my name's Alexia. Check out. Check just one more reminder before you go to go to totally super on wherever you subscribe to podcasts whatever you're listening to this on search for totally super and hear me and arthur review every superhero movie ever made it's an awesome show i think you'll love it okay thanks for listening